0: You are listening to The Sermon, The Character of the King, taught by Pastor Dan Krause, originally taught on April 2nd, 2023. Like almost any other morning, families were getting up out of bed and doing whatever chores needed to be done. There was a little bit of an excitement in the air just because of the season that it was. There's more people in town than normal. As there was a feast that was going to be happening, a festival that was going to be happening, and and it was a pilgrimage, so people from all over were in town. There's meals to prepare, there's there's things to be thinking about, this next week is going to be a big week. Then you hear of this prophet, this prophet is going to be coming into town, perhaps perhaps today so maybe you get up and do your chores with a little bit more urgency you get your kids ready and you start heading out to the streets to see maybe this will be the day that this prophet is coming and this prophet maybe just maybe will be a king and this king just maybe maybe will will take and break the bondage of these romans who have had us here for so long and who have taken over our nation can you feel the excitement can you feel the anticipation And then it starts to happen. Off in the distance, you see this man riding a donkey coming down into the streets. You gather your family. Here he comes. Today is the day. This is going to be the time that it's going to happen. He's going to come. He's going to conquer these Romans who have no place here. Maybe it will be in our lifetime. Maybe we'll see it right now. Oh, the excitement. You can just feel it. As he comes closer, you can start hearing other people crying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And you can feel it. You say, it is. It's going to be today. And you're so excited. Because he's going to finally break that bondage of this foreign invader who didn't belong in your nation. Then you think about the week. The events that were going to unfold. And the bitter disappointment that so many people felt when he realized when they realized that this king that was coming was something different than you had expected those same people that were crying hosanna just a few short days later were crying crucify him when they realized he wasn't a political hero coming to set them free from the bondage of the romans But what they didn't understand was he was someone far greater, someone far more important than any political hero. He he was somebody, he was the greatest character in the history of humanity. And he wasn't coming to break them and set them free from Roman bondage. He was coming to set them free, to break the bondage of sin, to break, to have victory over death, not just for them during that period of time, but for all humanity going forward, who would put their faith and trust in him. This man who came on this Palm Sunday some 2,000 years ago was far greater than what anybody could have expected or anticipated. Can you think and put yourself in that week, just like that day, Hosanna, Hosanna, that Palm Sunday that we celebrate every year. How things would change as the week went on. You know, I I often think what it must have been like, and and I I try to put myself in a place where I can think, what was in Jesus' head as he was riding into the streets, knowing that this reception that he was getting was based somewhat on ignorance, knowing that these same people as he rode by who were smiling at him, waving at him, laying their coats down in front of him, would hate him in just a few days. And he rode on. You know, you wonder, did he stop and look in everybody's eyes as he was going by? I'm doing this to forgive you. I'm doing this to forgive your sins. I'm doing this to give your children hope. And I'm going to keep riding on. The events that would unfold during this week, unlike any other events that have ever unfolded or would later on either. Not just any king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who has created this universe, was going forward to die for the sake of his creation. Not just die, but he would have to humble himself as he would get spit on, as he would be mocked as He would have to endure trials, as He did all of these things, knowing that the cross was coming. I wonder how much Jesus slept that week dealing with, dealing with what the pain He was going to endure and knowing what was coming. We know about the prayers the night before, right? That He was sweating blood knowing what He was about to endure. Yet he said, Father, it's your will. Let it be your will be done, not my own. Submitting to the Father, even to the point of a gruesome death. Again, this greatest character in the history of this world marched on, facing the cross. And don't miss this, friends. He did it because he loves you. Don't miss that, that he was willing to endure The mocking, that he was willing to endure these trials by these so-called religious men who didn't know God. He, He was willing to endure being spit on. He was willing to endure the whips. He was willing to endure that crown of thorns being placed on his head. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. This week that we remember we call a holy week. It's holy being set apart. and We're going to talk about that a little bit. This set apart week in our year. Remembering the pain, the humiliation, but most importantly the victory that Jesus saw. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to Attempt to get your attention this week. There's going to be a lot of things that come up and require you to put your thought and effort into. Church, I want you to remember what this week commemorates and what Jesus endured. I don't want you to remember that so you could feel guilty all week. I want you to remember that so you can feel free, that you can feel alive because you have been redeemed. You have been loved by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And through him, you can have victory, not just over your sin today, but your sin eternal, that you can have victory even over death because of the victory of Jesus. Think about these things this week. This holy and set-apart week. Last week we were in Romans, and one of the verses there we talked about a little bit, and I want to use that as a jumping off point this morning, and that's Romans thirteen 14. Don't turn there. I'm just going to be there very briefly. We're going to be in Matthew 21, so if you have your Bibles and you want to turn, go ahead and do that to Matthew 21. But Romans 13, 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. We talked last week about this. What does that mean to put on Jesus? Really what it means is to be an imitator of Jesus. Be an imitator of Jesus. I've got to be honest with you. When I think about the events that unfold on the Holy Week, I don't want to imitate Jesus. Right? But we're called to be imitators of Jesus. But I do believe that Poem Sunday and the Holy Week narrative display some characteristics that we as followers of Jesus Christ need to imitate if we're going to have fruitful lives and be obedient to him. Let's pray and then we're going to be, like I said, in Matthew chapter 21. Dear Heavenly Father, God, you are incredible. God, it is. it's hard to stand up here and preach in light of your majesty, Your glory, your holiness. Knowing that I'm just a sinful man who deserves death and punishment. All of those things that you endured on that week leading up to the cross, and then the cross itself, all of those things, those weren't things that that you should have suffered. Those are things that I should have suffered, but you took it on yourself so that I could have freedom. God, help that to sink in for all of us today. That throughout our lives, but this week especially, God, that we will have just a holy reverence for what occurred some 2,000 years ago on our behalf. God, as we go to your word today, God, I just pray that you take us there. That you take us there mentally, that we could that we could put ourselves in the places this these are historical events that unfolded not just a fictional story and as a result god help us to become more like you imitators of you in jesus name amen matthew 21 verses 1 through 11 now when they drew near to jerusalem and came to bethpage The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They, they brought the donkey and the colt and put on their, I'm sorry, and put them on, put them their cloaks, put on them their cloaks. This is hard to read sometimes. And he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. We can we can see some characteristics of Jesus that we ought to be imitating. The first characteristic that Jesus models for us that we need to imitate is that of humility. I don't like this one. It's against my flesh. It takes incredible strength, by the way, to be humble. You know, I think we, we 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 tend to think about humility and being humbled as 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 being embarrassed. But really what being embarrassed is, it's it's our pride's defense, right? It's our pride's defense. Being humble is being strong. Being humble is a strength. Jesus demonstrates this this strength more than anybody else in the history of humanity. Again, that first, well, verse 7, it says, They brought the donkey and the colt and put, the, put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. I figured it was so hard for me to say that the first time, I'd put it in here again. <laughs> you, you have Jesus, the king of kings, riding in on his donkey, this colt, and, and this is a sign of a king coming in peace. Now, if you read the rest of the New Testament, you'll find out he doesn't come back on this colt. He comes back on a horse to bring judgment. But this time, on this Palm Sunday, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords humbled himself to come, getting this hypocritical praise the whole way, knowing that these people don't really realize who he is and what he is there to do. He humbles himself and just takes it all as he continues forward. You know, I think about the procession that Jesus could have had with legions of angels. Can you imagine? I think there would be less standing and screaming and more falling on the face, realizing that they were in the, in, the, in the presence of a holy God. I don't know that I can fully understand it, but I know that I will see it one day. You know, we, uh, I have a picture up here. Uh, in England, the Queen had just passed not that long ago, and of course you have the Buckingham Palace and the and the distance there, but this royal procession, this, this 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 Queen who's who's really just nothing more than a figurehead, and the whole nation wanted to come out and pay their respects. And then I think about that, and I think about what Jesus saw on this dusty road on the back of a donkey. He deserves so much more, and he knows it. He knew it, yet he humbled himself for our sake. He could have been carried by angels the entire way, but instead he was on the back of a donkey. As that week went on, and as this holy week went on, Jesus continued to display humility, including what I think may be one of the greatest acts of humility In the Lord's Supper, which we are going to have in just a little bit, John 13, 2-5 says this, During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist... Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Can you imagine? Jesus knew what was about to happen, that his friends would betray him, that they would leave him on the cross. And in an act of great humility, he serves them. He serves them. Friends, if we are to put on Jesus as Paul told the Romans to do, what does it look like for us to humble ourselves for the sake of others? Can I I tell you something? This is just as much for me as for all of us. My boys would put it this way: you aren't that guy. I don't really know what that means. I think I maybe I do. I'm not that guy. What does that mean? That means I need to humble myself for the sake of others. I need to humble myself to serve other people. I don't need to be the right one all the time. I don't need to be the one who wins all the time. I need to be the one in in a quiet strength who humbles myself to serve others. Why? Because Jesus did, and I need to be an imitator of Him. How does that change, sir, the way you deal with your wife and your kids when things aren't going your way? Ma'am, how does that change when when, when you're at work and somebody isn't treating you fairly or honestly? What do we give back in return? My goodness, when we think about Jesus, the King of kings, knowing what's about to unfold, getting on his knees and washing the disciples' dirty, stinky feet, if he can do that, if Jesus can humble himself, shouldn't we be able to as well? As imitators of him. The second characteristic that Jesus models for us is holiness. Holiness. To be holy, to be set apart. You know, the Jews had this holy place, the temple, where they would gather. And in verses 12 through 13, we have it says that Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. He was willing to fight for holiness. This couldn't go on. What are we allowing to go on in our lives? What are we allowing to, to, to creep into our world? Maybe it's time for us to personally overturn some tables. Tables that we have set up. I also find this peculiar because this is the way Jesus began his earthly ministry. Do you think they would have seen him coming the second time? Isn't this that guy coming that turned our tables over and took all, kicked us out of here before? The second time he sees, they see him coming to do this. The, geez, the Jews... We're in a holy and set apart place in this temple. Meant to be a house of prayer, a house of worship. And they were taking advantage of people there. Those money changers were taking advantage of people in the name of religion. First Peter 1 14 through 16 says this As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct since it is written you shall be holy for i am holy set apart a different type of people there should be a difference in us christian there should be a difference between us and the rest of the world i'm going to give you a bonus uh, characteristic here that jesus displayed and that is one of being missional he was incredibly missional missional You know, Israel was to be a blessing to the world. One of their roles was to be a holy people, a set-apart people for the sake of the rest of the world, not just for their own sake. This took place, this event took place in the Gentile court, a place where non-Jews would come to worship. And the Jews were using it, some of these religious elite were using it to take advantage of the very people they were to be a blessing to. Genesis 12, 2 and 3 says, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Jesus is missional. And we ought to be missional today. We should imitate Christ in this way. Matthew, uh, is the world going to see Christ through us? Matthew five fourteen through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the type of people that we ought to be. We ought to be a blessing to the world. Let's not use our freedom to take advantage of other people. Let's be a blessing to the world. Let's be missional, just as Jesus is missional. Our next characteristic that Jesus models for us is courageous grace. Not just grace, but courageous grace. You know, definition of courage, mental or moral strength to venture persevere and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Jesus was incredibly courageous. Facing down what he was going to be facing now, knowing what the outcome was going to be, he was create, courageous and he was moving on uh, based on grace. Grace and love. You know, this story, there's this one verse in here, it almost doesn't seem to fit with the rest of the narrative. Matthew 21, 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. I don't know that this verse ever really stood out to me too much before this week. But thinking through the events of Palm Sunday, thinking through the events of this holy week, Jesus rides through town, hearing this really what was hypocritical and ignorant praise, not knowing who he really was and what he was really going to do so that he can save the very people who are giving him this praise. He sees this holy temple, this set-apart place being used to take advantage of people instead of being a blessing to them. In the midst of this, some blind and lame people were brought to Jesus. Jesus stops what he's doing and shows compassion on them and for them. Throughout that entire week, Jesus never stopped loving. Never stopped displaying grace. Never stopped. All the way to the nails being pierced through his hands. Courageous grace. Grace. Courage. When he sent his disciples to fetch a donkey, he knew, what, he knew what he'd be riding into. It was courage when he cleared out the money changers. He knew what was about to happen. It was courage when he faced down the religious elite. And it was grace as he was obeying his father for the sake of us all. What does it mean then for us to put on the Lord Jesus. To being imitators of Him. It means that we need to be humble, holy, set apart. It means that we need to be be missional, a light in the darkness of our world. And it means that we need to exercise courageous grace for all of those, for the sake of all those who are around us. We do this, by the way, so that we can be fruitful in what we have been called to do. It could be a thousand years from now, if the Lord tarries it doesn't return in that period of time, it could be that people are talking about you and the courageous faith that you've had as you've imitated Christ with your life. Don't believe the lie that your life is is unimportant or that it doesn't matter that we're just here for a short period of time and what happens on this earth doesn't matter. The truth is, we are here for just a short period of time, but what we do has eternal consequence. Don't forsake the call to be a city on the hill, to live missionally. Matthew 21, 18 and 19. In the morning as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. That fig tree was representative of the nation of Israel. And there's this pronouncement of judgment of a people who have become fruitless. Jesus expects us to produce fruit. He has given us everything we need to do so and more. He has paved the way for our freedom and our victory. But he wants us to be a city on a hill. Light in the darkness. He wants us to live missionally. Church, are we going to accept that challenge and imitate Christ in this way? I believe this will be our last time where we have... Uh, communion elements that aren't all gluten-free to make that a little bit easier. The characteristics that Jesus displayed for us once again, humility, holiness, being missional, full of courage and grace, all of those things are in view as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Once all the elements gets passed out, we'll take together. Before that, we'll we'll spend some time in prayer and asking God to show us in our lives. Show us in our lives what needs to change, what where we need to grow. Maybe where we need to confess a sin or repent from a sin. Maybe there's an area where we haven't been doing a great job imitating Christ. We'll ask him to show us those places, those things. But just for a moment as the guys pass out the elements, I just want you to maybe close your eyes once you get the, uh, make sure you have these first. Otherwise, it'll be hard to pass them to you. Maybe just close your eyes for a moment. Imagine what it must have been like on that day, in that upper room, as Jesus approaches you and gets on his knees to wash your feet, knowing all the while what was about to happen. Father you are so great your, your love for us knows no bounds God I pray that this taking of the Lord's Supper together as a family today isn't just something that we do because we do it all the time but, it, but it's something that is meaningful in our lives that we would all just take a moment reflecting on your goodness, reflecting on that week, that holy week. God, where there is sin in our lives, would you expose that to us? God, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit as you show us these sins in our lives that you will break the bondage of them. That we could be imitators of Christ, being holy, for you are holy. God, give us a discontent with sin. God, give us a yearning for holiness. God, give us a posture that no matter what's going on in this world, that we know that you are enough. God, help us to have a humble realization that when we take these elements, this cracker, what it represents, your bruised an abused body and the blood that you spilled for us. Matthew 26 starting in verse 26 now as they were eating Jesus took bread and after blessing it broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body And he took a cup and when he had given thanks he gave it to them saying drink of it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins I tell you I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom ladies and gentlemen would you please stand as we have one more song of praise